Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns, and you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, as we study the sacred texts of the world, the Bhagavad Gita, the Vedic Upanishads, and the Hindu Vedas in general, the Buddhist Sutras, and the Bible, particularly in its root language, what we discover is that duality is non-duality. There simply is no such thing as separation. Yet we continue to live our lives as if we were separate from the divine and separate from each other in the natural world. It's very difficult for us to imagine oneness. It's very difficult for us to suspend our polarized notions of good and evil, black and white, uh, and all the other different kinds of ways we divide things up. But the surrender to oneness is simply a surrender to the truth of who we are and what we are. This is not something we can do with the intellect. That's why it seems so difficult to us. But it is something we can do. So stay here today to learn about surrendering to oneness. So, first of all, we have to look at the word surrender and understand what that means. It doesn't mean to wave a right, white flag and give in, cave, and, and lose the war. It does mean to, un, to, to really relax into the truth of something, to really just let it be what it is, to not fight it, to not ignore it, to not suspend it, to not push it away. Surrendering means to allow a fact to be a fact. Surrendering means to allow yourself to be fully involved in and no part of you denying that particular reality. And when we surrender to oneness, what we're doing is disallowing any part of ourselves to deny that oneness. And that's difficult for us because the intellect wants to deny that oneness. We've been taught that we are separate, that we are separate in all kinds of ways. And we're separate from each other, we're separate from the natural world, we're definitely separate from the divine, particularly in the Western world, there's, there's much that's uh, thought about separation, even eternal separation from the divine. But that, as we shall see, is not what the Bible actually says. Uh, but there's all kinds of te- texts from all over the world about, and uh, all different religions, about oneness and about what that means. So in order to understand oneness a little better, I want to go through some of the, some of the quotes. I certainly can't give you the whole text, but some of the really uh, strongly influential tr- quotes about oneness that can be found in some of the sacred texts from around the world. So the first one comes from the Flower Garland Sutra, which is a Buddhist sutra. And it says, the mind, the Buddha, and all living beings, these three things are without distinction. Uh, and, and then from the Nirvana Sutra, we get all living beings alike possess the Buddha nature. So what is the Buddha nature? Well, according to the Buddhists, the Buddhist nature is that inner self, that deepest inner self, our de- deepest uh, essence that is, in fact, um, uh, self and no self at the same time. And that's hard to understand from the intellect. How can something be yes and no at the same time? But but uh, it is a self that understands itself to be one with all. It's a self that understands that it is 
both ego and divine. It is uh, a self that understands that there, it doesn't have to split itself off and divide itself. It is uh, a practical whole unit uh, as itself. And so that's why they can say that the mind, even the intellect, the Buddha, and all living beings are without distinction. So if they're without distinction, they are the same thing. And so what that means is that uh, there is no difference between the mind, the Buddha, and all living beings. But we look at that and we go, well, that's crazy. I mean, look around. All you have to do is look around to know that that's false, right? Look at all the ugly things that people do to each other. Look at all the terrorism. Look at all the lies that people tell. Look at our current uh, political uh, regime that is filled with chaos and havoc. Look at all that. Look at all that stuff. And just all you have to do is see that to know that it can't be true that the mind, the Buddha, and all living beings are without distinction. But the truth is, those things are all part of an ongoing growth pattern. They're all part of an ongoing effort to unite us to, uh, in, in oneness so that we understand ourselves as one. We already are one. We just don't get it. So we don't act as if we're one. We don't think as if we're one. We don't obey the law as if we're one. We don't tell the truth as if we're one. We don't politicize our environment as if we're one. We don't act as if we're one. <clears throat> Therefore, there's a lot of chaos out there. It's about belief. Because we don't believe that we are one, we, we create a world that looks like it's proving that reality. But the truth is that according to the Buddhist text, the mind, the Buddha, and all living beings are without distinction. And all living beings alike possess the Buddha nature, that deepest essence of ourselves that is whole and one with all. So, uh, so that's, that's from some of the Buddhist texts. There's another Chinese Buddhist teacher named Zi or Tianti, um, and he wrote about 3,000 realms in a single moment of life. What that essentially means is that everything is, all, is happening at the same time. And that's another really hard concept for us to, to figure out, too. The best we got, closest we got to it was in the Star Trek series when, when there's two parallel universes and they're operating simultaneously and one doesn't know the other's operating. Well, it's similar to that. Well, it's not just two. It's 3,000 realms in a single moment of life. And so what that is saying is, well, it could be 40 million, 40 billion, 40 zillion realms in a single moment of life 3000 is just a number picked at random but it, it basically is just poetically saying that everything is happening at the same time and we don't know it so our birth and our death happen simultaneously our breathing in and our breathing out happen simultaneously the the things that we believe to be true People talk about, you know, uh, our, our, our life being an illusion, and we're going to reference that in a minute. But really, it's, it's not so much an illusion as it is a creation. It's something we've created to believe so that we continue to believe what we've always believed. We create a world that matches our perception of the world, and therefore, we operate as if that's true. Now, this is all just clearly spiritual information, not clinical information. I'm not talking to you about your mental health although this certainly can impact your mental health, uh, I'm talking to you about uh, spirituality in particular. Um, so the 3,000 realms that operate in a single moment of life include every aspect of our being. They include the mind, the heart, the soul, the body, everything. 
we think we dispose of the body at death and the body is no longer useful anymore. Well, I don't know whether that's true or not. I mean, I think we, we see the body uh, uh, after death. We see a body there. We know that the person's not, no longer living in that body. But is it possible that the body can ultimately become one with the soul in such a way that we don't lose the body anymore or that the body transforms into uh, a different kind of physicality that's both, both uh, non-corporeal and corporeal at the same time? Uh, I don't know. I think these are things are possible when we think about oneness. But if we believe that the body is separate from the soul and that the soul can only unite with itself after death, then that's what we're going to create. So that's the power we have to create that was given to us when we were first created. So it's interesting to think about that. There's another thing from the uh, Bhagavad Gita that is uh, really, really fascinating to me. I love this statement. It's a, a beautiful quote. It says, and when he sees me, and me meaning the divine, in however, whatever form we see the divine, whenever, and when he sees me in all and sees all in me, then I never leave him. And he never leaves me. And he who is in this oneness of love loves me in whatever he sees, wherever this man may live. In truth, he lives in me. That's a beautiful quote. I love that quote because it it just leaves no room for doubt that we are absolutely one with the divine. So we can see the divine in all things. We can come to see the divine in all things, in all things. Even things that we would consider to be tragic things, even things that we would consider to be evil things, we can find the divine in these things if, if we're living in oneness and living in that truth that all is one. Um, if he sees me in all things and sees all things in me, in other words, even the darkest evil that we consider to be evil, I, I don't even like to use that word evil because I think it's just live spelled backwards. It's just a way of living backwards into a life that says that there is, there is no truth, there is no divine, there is no uh, love. There, those things don't really exist. You can't really trust those things, so you have to operate out of this other way of living that looks to everyone else like evil. And so, you know, a person who grows up in a, a, a bad guy identity, or, you know, uh, what I might call the black sheep or the scapegoat identity, might grow up to believe that he's a bad dude. And in so doing, he has to, if I, if I exist as badness, and that's the only way I can exist, then I better be bad so that I can prove that I exist. And that's how that psychology works in, a, in, in the spiritual realm. And it, and it convinces the self and everybody else that he really is evil, and that evil is a perpetual kind of reality for this world. And so, so he, he lives out of that reality and strongly convinces himself and others that it's the truth. But if we see beyond that identity into his soul, what we see is that there's the divine still there. And uh, that doesn't mean that we should excuse his behavior. I don't want to give that impression. But it does mean that we can see beyond it. And that's what a person who sees oneness is. A person who surrendered to oneness can see that beyond what's going on on the surface identifications. So when he sees me in all and sees all in me, then I never leave him and he never leaves me. And he who in this oneness of love loves me in whatever he sees, wherever this man may live, in truth, 
He lives in me. So even if he sees wrongly, where he's really still in the truth of his existence, he's still living in the divine. So, you know, we have, we have not left the divine behind, and the divine has not left us behind. We are one with the divine, and we've forgotten that. And that's where all the trouble started, is that we forgot who we were. And there's lots of stories about that that I could tell you. And there's a, there's a um, show that I did previously called Duality. I did it several years ago. And you might want to look that up and listen to it because there's some stories from the Christian text that can be translated very differently than how we've translated them uh, that mean that we really are truly still one with the divine. That has not gone away. We just forgot it. Okay, so from the uh, Chandogya Upanishad, which is a part of the Hindu Vedas, here's this quote, all this is Brahman. Now, Brahman is the Hindu god, the ultimate Hindu god. And he, uh, what this means is that everything is God. Everything is, however you want to call whether you call it God or Krishna, uh, Krishna or Brahman or whatever you call that divine being, it's everything. It's everything. Everything is Brahman. And that's a beautiful way of looking at it. Everything is Brahman. And if we, if we can convince our minds that that's true and surrender to that truth, then what happens is we begin to really live into that reality. And everything is divine. Everything, we see it that way. And, and the divine never leaves us and we never leave the divine. So from the Reg Veda, another one of the Hindu texts, he is all-pervading, unchanging, supreme being, in the purest of pure. He permeates all eternal laws and manifests throughout the universal life forces, the sea, the earth, and the mountains. So in other words, the divine is in all of creation. Everything is a part of the divine and everything, and the divine is a part of everything. And so that we just can't uh, uh, dismiss that reality. So when we're Chopping down a tree for a highway, we might we be thinking about what what it is that we're doing. Uh, what is it that we're doing? Are we, uh, you know, we believe in the particularly in the Western world where capitalism reigns, we believe that uh, we're going to survive only by the power of money. That money is how we'll make it, and and that we have to grab it, and we have to keep it, and we have to hoard it, and we have to make sure nobody else gets it, and that's how we're going to survive. And that, that's how we live, and we create that reality in our world and in our politics and in our policies and in our behaviors. We create that world. And so there are homeless people out there who believe that they, they're unworthy of life because they don't have, they don't have money. Um, and, and we treat them that way, unfortunately, because we think money is the most important thing. We've forgotten that the divine is in all, and the all, all is in the divine. So from Shankara Vivekachudadmani, it's a hard word for me to say, I don't speak uh, Indian, uh, Vivekachunamani, Brahman is the only truth, the world is unreal, and there is ultimately no difference between Brahman and Atman or individual self. So Atman is the word that uh, the Hindus use for, uh, for the self, the real self, the true self, the authentic self. And there, there is no difference between those two. So, so the, the deepest essence of who we are is Brahman, is the divine. The deepest essence of who we are is the divine. 
we cannot be separate from the divine. We are, uh, I like to think of it as sort of molecular constituents of the divine. We are parts of the divine. We are a molecule in the ocean that is the divine. So we are the divine. But we've forgotten that reality. And when we surrender to that reality, reality begins to shift and change in our minds and in our behavior and in our actions and our beliefs. And we treat the world differently in the world then begins to treat us differently as well. So we are uh, one with the divine. And that, that is the truth that's being told here by uh, Shankara from Vivekachudamani. Now, here's the hard part. This is also found in the Bible. This is the part that a lot of people would, oh, yeah, you're going to tell us all that Hindu stuff and all that Hebrew stuff, I mean, excuse me, all that uh, Buddhist stuff, but you're not going to tell us about what the Bible says. Well, here's something from the Hebrew Tanakh. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of dawn, If I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee, and the night is as bright as the day. Now that's that's from the Jewish text, the uh, Jewish Tanakh. It's also from the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. And what it's basically saying is there is nowhere we can go where God is not. There is nowhere, even Sheol, which is where they're, the place of the dead for the Hebrew uh, people of that time was called Sheol. That's where you go after you die. Even there, God is found. So where can you go from my spirit? Or where can you go from thy presence? Nowhere. There's no place to go where God is not. Because God is all and in all. So that's an Old Testament or a Hebrew Tanakh statement. Um, here's from the New Testament in Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Why? Because there's no such thing as separation. We've believed in separation, but it doesn't exist. And so, and then in Corinthians, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So there is nothing but oneness there. And then Jesus' statement in Matthew, uh, he says, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So that what he's saying there is, I'm one with everyone, and everyone is one with me. So when you do it to one of of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. There's no separation. So it's in all the sacred texts of the world. There is nothing but oneness. Oneness is all there is. Oneness is the truest truth of who we are and what we're doing here. But we have forgotten that reality. And so we don't live as if it's true. We live as if it's a falsehood. We live as if it's the lie. But the true lie is separation. The lie is separation. The truth is oneness. So we'll be talking about how do we surrender to that oneness during our next parts of the show. So you want to be here for that. Stay tuned for more right after this break.
elevate your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. If you're lost in the dating world and need GPS, if you're stuck in dating hell and can't get out, if you're in need of a dating intervention, then Done Being Single with host Trevor and Robbie Sharp is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, learn how to navigate single life and find the one. Tune in to Done Being Single Saturdays, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about surrendering to oneness. So we're not speaking of this, and as I'm not speaking to you today as a clinician. I'm speaking to you today as a spiritual being who's had my own spiritual journey and uh, has, has learned some things about what I think is true and, and, and been in had, uh, my own revelations about reality. And, and I'm sure you've had yours too. Uh, you've had some experiences that might have introduced you to oneness, but it's hard to hold on to that, isn't it? It's hard in, in this world of duality to hold on to the idea that we can be one with each other and with nature and with all things and with the divine. But it's true that we can. We are. We are in that truth. And, and so the work, I guess, is for us to, be, to begin to believe that truth, to begin to know it, to begin to let it seep into our bones and into our blood and into our body and into our flesh and so that we live as if it's true, because it is true. In fact, it's the only truth. The only truth is that everything in this planet, everything on this planet, everything in the universe is one with the divine. And if we live that way, then we, are, we cannot feel separate from the divine. We cannot be in that place of, of belief and separation. But it's a journey because we came here uh, uh, when after, shortly after we got here. 
the mind split off in consciousness from from the divine. We began, in the Western world in particular, we began to believe that the divine was good and man was evil, and therefore the divine had to live up there far away in a far away, a rarefied heaven and not associate with us evil people down here on the planet. And because that was true, we were pretty much on our own and left to our own devices, and we had to figure it out in order to uh, finally get to, to feel okay about who we were. And ultimately, that became a different truth in Western, particularly in the Western Christian faith, that became a, an idea of hell and heaven. That idea did not come about until after Jesus came and left. The idea of hell was not introduced uh, until after Jesus came and left. But um, he, once that idea became prevalent, uh, it was introduced as something that was very real and something very eternal and something that, that where we could be eternally separated from the divine. But actually, hell in the, uh, in the New Testament does not mean that at all. Hell is a, is a furnace in which things are, are transformed. So bread, uh, if you put dough into the furnace, it becomes bread. Um, if you put a clay pot into the furnace, it becomes a, a usable clay pot with a firm exterior and interior so that it can be used. Um, so that's what he meant by hell. That's, it's a place where we take ourselves, because of our belief in duality, to this place of suffering in which we transform who we are into a deeper, closer union with the divine. We become more true to who we actually are. Dough is just dough. It's not bread until it's transformed into bread. A clay pot is not a clay pot until it's transformed into a clay pot. And that's, we, we become more of who we are if we allow the oneness to seep into our bones when we go through suffering. If we allow ourselves to truly unite with and embrace our suffering, we become one with that and it then transforms us. And we become more like the beings that we truly are which is divine beings. So um, when we think of, one of the things we think of when we think of duality and sinfulness and hell is this whole concept of separation, that we can be separated from the divine in, in, in every way. And uh, if we can look at the real root language, which is not being done, it's not being taught. We're not being taught in the current um um, Western motif to, to look at the root language of the Bible. We're being taught instead to accept it carte blanche as it's being taught without any question raised whatsoever about po the possibility of a different translation than the one we've been taught, which is a form of spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse happens when we are taught to accept reality, uh, a truth as if it's the final ultimate truth without ever being given the opportunity to question it uh, for fear of some punishment, and that's exactly what's been happening with spirit, uh, with this, the spiritual teachings in several different uh, denominations and, and several different churches. Several other churches are not doing that, and, and thank you for that. I appreciate the fact that you're allowing people to have their own journey and to find spirituality at the deepest levels instead of being taught how they should think and how they should feel. Um, and that's not just true in the Western religion. It's true in, in some of the Eastern religions as well that people are taught this is how you should feel and they're given very stringent um, exercises to do, to perform, to 
uh, even as young children, that are really pretty abusive. So the spiritual abuse happens around the world when people are taught this is the only truth and you must believe that or there's some kind of punishment for you or there's some kind of uh, ridicule or shame for you. Um, so, so the idea of hell got perpetuated in that kind of environment where people were taught they must, they must believe certain things or they were going to go to hell. And uh, that is spiritual abuse. On the other hand, if we can have our own spiritual journeys, we can find oneness as our own experience. And that's been done by several people of several different religions all around the world. When people have a transformative or mystical experience, one of the things that's very common in those experiences is that what they call the unitive experience or an experience of oneness. Um, and so that's happening whether you're Christian, Buddhist, um, Hindu, Jewish, whatever your religion is, the people who have just had a deeper spiritual experience, a mystical experience, have experienced oneness as part of that. And they come out of that with a sort of revelatory understanding of what life really is really happening here on earth instead of the things we think are happening. Generally speaking, what we think is happening is that we're struggling to survive. That we come here, we have to figure out how to survive, and the rest of our lives, all we do is struggle to survive and eke out a little bit of happiness in between the lines. And, um, and if we manage to be happy, it'll be because we got enough money or we found enough love or we found something external to the self to give that to us. And certainly love is one of the things that is a part of oneness. When we recognize oneness, love is a natural part of that. Um, but that also happens in the human psyche, and we'll be talking about that a little bit later. We'll talk just a little bit about that, how that happens in the human psyche. But, but for now, what we need to understand is that, you know, the, there's a spiritual law that's being taught out there that there's a law of attraction. And, it, and what it means is that there's something out there far away from me, and I want it. And so what I have to do is start telling myself that I, that I already have it and that it's mine and I will attract it. But in the, the idea of oneness doesn't put it that way. It, it would belie that law of attraction. It would say uh, everything is already mine. Everything is already mine. So there's nothing far away from me. There's nothing out there that I don't have. I already have it all because I'm one with everything. Um, one of the Psalms in the uh, Old Testament says that the, the, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. And it's, it's God that's saying that. It's that. God is talking to the psalmist when he says that. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. But I think of that as, as our truth, too. Uh, if we are one with the divine and the cattle on a thousand hills belong to the divine, well then, the cattle on a thousand hills belong also to us. So there is nothing to attract, and there is no need to attract if it's already ours. Whatever is ours is ours, and everything is already ours. So the experience of life is enriched and enhanced by that reality, and the more we, we surrender to that reality, the more we are able to really uh, accept that every place where we put our foot is actually ours. That's a promise that was given to Abraham. Every place that you put your foot belongs to you. So... Um, so, you know, we have some ideas about what's true because we base everything in this idea of separation. And we've lived in that, re in that seeming reality for centuries and centuries and centuries now. 
But more and more, the Western world is beginning to look at and consider the possibility that oneness is a reality. More and more, we hear people talking about we're one with everyone. More and more, we see that reality taking place as people begin to act as if we're one with everyone. So, for example, there is a great deal of concern and, and empathy and outrage that the children of uh, immig- immigrants uh, have been caged in America. The, that outrage comes from the idea of oneness. We know that even the least of these, even the smallest children who suffer, uh, it also impacts us. And so we, we speak about it. We, we yell about it. We put up signs about it. We uh, create memes about it. We, we speak about it. We vote about it. We want to have a say-so in that. And that's oneness. That's a kind of oneness. That's a kind of understanding life as oneness. So we're beginning more to live into that framework. Whereas uh, back, you know, in World War II, there was not much information out there about what was going on with the Jewish Holocaust. And uh, very few people even knew about it, much less could do anything like pray about it or have a voice about it or, or try to do anything about it. And that's why it was so successful. Hopefully it will not be successful in America because we will have that voice. We will have that say. We will keep fighting until we get a different reality. Because we believe in oneness, because we are one with those little children. And so this idea that we should build a wall comes from the idea of separation. It comes from the very unspiritual idea that, that we're not one with each other and that we should keep them out so we can be safe in here. And that's a, a, you know, a, a dichotomous version of, of humanity. It says there's a they and there's a we. We're the good guys and they're the bad guys and we need to keep the bad guys out so we can be safe in here. And the reality is uh, there is only oneness. There's only the truth of oneness. And so in that oneness, there's no need for a wall. We need to figure out ways to, uh, to work with, within a framework of safety that does not disallow other people to come into this country and find their own safety. So, uh, you know, we think in those terms. We think in terms of a they and a we. We think in terms of a, uh, a you and a, and a different you and a me. Not a, not, a, not a oneness, not a truth of oneness. And so we, we live into that reality and we buy our guns and we, you know, make sure that we're always safe because we're thinking in the terms of difference instead of in terms of oneness. The whole... Uh, um, um, upheaval about the GLBT uh, uh, population in America is based in the concept of separation, not in oneness. Uh, what it says is, you're different from me, therefore you are evil, and therefore you should be punished. And that, re- that kind of thinking is based in the whole idea of duality, that we should continue an idea of there's a different you out there and you are not one with me. But if oneness is truth, then every gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgendered, um, um, pansexual person out there is one with everyone else who is heterosexual um, and uh, bigendered, and you know all of that. It's it's not we're not um, 
we're not different beings. We are the same being. We are all one with the divine. And we, the being that we are is divine. But we've forgotten that. And so we don't act out of that reality. So a lot of our political uh, upheaval right now is based in, are we going to be one with each other? Or are we going to be dual? Are we going to perpetuate this duality? We're going to perpetuate the concept that um, um, good, there's good and there's evil. So that concept of good and evil comes from the idea of separation. If I'm, if if you do something that I think to be wrong or hurtful, then I classify it as evil. And since we have that concept in the world, there are people who will identify as good or evil. I wrote a whole book about people who identify as good. I haven't yet written a book about people who identify as bad, but there's some other books out there that talk about that. But the idea is that you can identify as a bad person just like you can identify as a good person. And you grow up in a home where you're, you know, the, the only behaviors that get noticed, for example, this is just one example of how it can happen, and, uh, uh, is that you... You, you grow up in a home where only the only behaviors that get noticed are the bad behaviors, the so-called bad behaviors that you do, and you're constantly criticized for those, and you begin to identify with, well, I must be a bad person. And you begin to live out of that reality, and you begin to perpetuate that reality because if you're not a bad person, then you're not a person at all because you've been taught that you're a bad person. So there's no other person in there. And so you got to be that bad person. So you got to do more and more bad in order to prove that you exist. you got to keep perpetuating that bad in order to prove that you exist. And so people identify with bad. As long as we have the concept of good and bad out there, people will identify with it. But because, and, and so what we need to do is throw away the whole concept. Throw away the whole concept of good and evil and start living into oneness. And as we do that, we create that reality. And, 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 and we begin to live into a soulful reality where people's, uh, we look into people's souls and, and see beyond that identification and begin to address the soul as we communicate with that person. And that's how healing can, can take place. So, so when, we're, when we're talking about this whole concept of duality, which it seems to be so perpetuated and so um, just flooding the world with its, with its um, good and bad and its and it's me and you, and it's uh, they and us, and all that uh, duality thinking, what happens is we continue to split off our consciousness into two different beings. I'm the me I am on the outside, and I'm a me I am on the inside, and that's different. Or maybe I'm, I'm this me, and God is up there far away from me, or the divine is up there far away from me, and I, I can't attain to that. That seems too good. I'm too evil to do that. And that perpetuates the psychic split within a, in a given individual. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next segment. We're going to be talking about that psychic split and how we can heal that through the concept of oneness. So, uh, when we, when, so when we talk about this thing of duality, it's a, it, it encompasses the entire world. It encompasses all the politics of the entire world. It encompasses our health care and our social care and our interactions with other people and our interactions with ourselves. And, uh, but the concept of oneness would also impact all of those same areas if we could come to believe it. If we could come to understand that when he sees me in all and sees all in me, then I never leave him and he never leaves me. And he who in this oneness of love loves me and whatever he sees, wherever this man may live, in truth, he lives in me. 
So we'll be back in just a minute to talk more about how this concept of duality and oneness exists in the human psyche. Stay tuned for that. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time for you to take a sweet and honest look at your life. Tune into Living Within the Sweet Spot with your host, Nikki Klegel. Each week, Nikki invites you to call into the program where she will connect with each listener to show the power of God's love in every unique instance. There are gracious gifts and elements of power within each one of us. You just need to discover them and find your life's purpose. Live healthier and happier. Listen every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you're ready for big changes in less than one month's time, you're ready to tune in for Radical Change Now with Dr. Mary Oz. It's where healing meets the law of attraction in an engaging package. You'll hear from guests and callers as they share their stories, offer solutions to life's challenges, and much more. With Dr. Mary's approach, even a child could effectively learn and apply the concepts discussed on each week's show. Listen live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the surrender to oneness. And what we did in the first segment was we talked a lot about the sacred texts from all over the world, both uh, Buddhist, um, Hindu, uh, and uh, Jewish and Christian, uh, those were some of the ones we found about the that had in them quotes about oneness. And we uh, we read some of those, and we talked about what that meant. And then we talked about how the uh, duality impacts the world, and how oneness could shift and transform our imp- uh, how the the world sees the world, and how the world interacts with the world. But now what we want to talk about is how that happens in the human psyche. So what happens in the human psyche is that because we believe in duality, we're split off from the authentic self. We can live in an identity that does not recognize or even actualize the authentic self. We can be split off so much that we have feelings that we don't recognize. We can have thoughts that we don't recognize. We can have beliefs that we don't recognize because we're split off from all of those. That's, uh, we split off those, so those things are relegated to the subconscious and the unconscious. 
and we just don't don't play in those areas. We can also have feelings that we are that make us uncomfortable, that we can't understand, and that we can't figure out. We can uh, we can have uh, um, a great deal of, of struggle in the world because we don't know who we are in the world as opposed to who we are as an individual. We we can we can be split off from ourselves. We can loathe the self. We can say, I hate myself. Who is the I that's doing the hating? And who is the self we hate? That's the question. And so what can happen in the human psyche is is very difficult for us. It, it is one of the causes, supreme causes of our deepest suffering is that split off between the self and the identity. So the identity can be living into a whole world that doesn't even exist for the authentic self. So for, uh, for example... I could, this is just a real easy to see example, I could grow up to be a doctor because my father and his father and his father and his father were all doctors, and that's just what we do in our family, but my, my, my joy is not there. My joy might be in art or poetry or something else, and I don't even have time for those because I'm busy pleasing my father and his father and his father and his father. Uh, I'm busy pleasing that identity. I'm busy living into that identity. And I don't understand why I'm really not happy. I don't understand why I drink so much. I don't understand why, you know, life seems, you know, pretty dull and empty and meaningless to me. I don't understand that. Because I'm split off from my authentic self who really wants to be doing something entirely different. And that's, that's duality. That's an example of how duality can exist in the human psyche. In oneness, I would be able to start relating to my authentic self. I would be able to to say, what do you want, authentic self? What do you want to do? What gives you joy? What are your desires? Let me get acquainted with you. Uh, in oneness, we'd be able to, to, to recognize that, that everything is one. And uh, I don't have to be split off. And I don't have to go do something I don't love to do just because somebody else said that's what I should do. Uh, in oneness, when we have uh, fears and anxieties, what can happen is we can recognize that even those fears and anxiety, maybe they're the dark side of the divine, but they're still the divine. And they still, they still come up uh, as things that can help to transform us, to tell, help, un- help us understand ourselves better, to help us uh, be able to communicate with that other darker side that uh, has different beliefs. I know that when I do that in my own journey, and I'm still on my own journey and still working with oneness as well, um, I don't claim to have any superior enlightenment, but I do think that uh, when I when I have to work with some, say, anxious feelings or something like that, one of the things that helps me to develop some peace in that moment is to recognize that that's just another aspect of the divine that's coming to me to give me information, to to let me love it, to allow me to unite with it, and so that it's not separate and suspended out there by itself feeling afraid and terrified and, and lost and alone, uh, I, can, I can embrace it. I can bring it into the, to the center of my being and allow it to exist in that moment and so that I don't have to push it away and pretend it away. One of the things we do with anxiety, for example, is we try to make it go away, and I'm guilty of that just like the next person. Um, but making it go away only means that we're pushing it back into duality. In oneness... 
what we can recognize is that we can embrace it. We can pull it in and say, I love you, anxiety. I know that you're there because of a little scared child inside of me that was wounded a long time ago. And I know that you're you're really uh, lost and alone, and I want to embrace you. I want to bring you into the center of my being and, and hold you there and let you be what you are. And so that's what I begin to say to myself when I feel those anxious feelings. And, and I begin to listen. That other side begins to listen and we begin to dialogue, and I begin to feel more peaceful. So, uh, so you know, that that process of bringing stuff in, that's one of the things I talked about in the last book I wrote, uh, Letting Go of Good. We talked about dialoguing with different aspects of ourselves, things that we typically call negative feelings. I don't believe there's any such thing as a negative feelings. They're all just feelings. We're all one with all of them. They're not separate and distinct from us. They are part of us. And... Uh, so instead of trying to get them to go away what we can do is start to dialogue with them and let them give us information about why they're there and what's going on inside of that and what that means and and be able to give them attention one of the things that happens when a depression comes up into our awareness is, is it's trying to get our attention it's trying to get us to turn and look and when we turn and look we can find that oh these are ways that I am not activating my joy these are some of the ways that I'm not living into my present reality and not being in oneness, uh, living split off from who I am in some ways that, that are pretty devastating. And, and so depression can be uh, not only the biologi- biological, but also a part of, uh, of that, so of that lostness, that uh, sense of separation that we have from the authentic self. So when we are, when we, what, what the duality does to the, to the psyche is it splits us off from various aspects of ourselves. So, for example, when we're depressed, what we can, one of the things we can do is say, okay, I'm depressed now. I'm going to have to self-soothe. I'm going to have to self-care. I'm going to have to find my joy and look at my desires and really pay attention to those and really try to actualize those things in my life. And, uh, and that can, can be pretty hard sometimes. If, for example, if I'm split off into a uh, caregiver identity, then it's pretty hard for me to turn around and look at myself and care for myself. But uh, that's the challenge that's being given when we de- when the depression comes up. It's saying, "Hello, hey there, look here. Here's your joy. Here's your desire, and you're not paying attention to it." And that's one of the things it can say. So, uh, so when we have these things inside of ourselves, one of the, what we can do is begin to understand that. They are coming to us to talk to us, to give us information. They're not coming to tell us uh, to continue to split off from them and so and, and, and create more and more fear and more and more depression and more and more sorrow. Well, we can look at these feelings and, and dialogue with them and begin to really relate to them in some ways that attend to them so that they become a part of us instead of the whole of us. When they come up in, in uh, you know, when a big fear or anxiety comes up, what it does is just sort of dominate the psychic experience. And so that we have this big experience of nothing but anxiety. But when we begin to dialogue with it, then there's more to us than just the anxiety. There's also the other part of us that wants to talk to it. And so now we've got two aspects talking to each other. And what's happening there is they're beginning to be one. Um, and that's, that's their healing. So uh, in the human psyche, what the biggest the biggest split off is in uh, in the uh, in the idea that we can be split off from the authentic self, 
And that's one of the reasons that I do this show is because I, I want to talk about this authentic self and what it means to be an authentic self and what it means to live an authentic life because we are actually one with the self. The self is one with the divine. And, the, and, this, and when we live in that kind of reality, we live a different experience. So can you experience your authentic self? Absolutely. Can you experience oneness with the divine? If you, yes. If you, as you meditate, as you begin to uh, uh, really um, get closer to the deepest core of who you are, you also begin to get closer to the deepest core of the divine. And you begin to have experiences that are, um, uh, some would call them transcendental, some would call them mystic. Um, I call them truth. You have a true experience that you that you are experiencing yourself as one with the divine, and once you've had that experience, it feels like a revelation. It feels like, oh, this is the real deal. This is the final truth. This is the thing that's really true. And if I could just hold on to that, then my life would be very different. And it is hard to hold on to that in this world where duality reigns, but it can be done if we if we continue to meditate on a daily basis and we continue to. Uh, to read these texts that tell us that we're one and hear them read back to us and, and begin to dialogue with different aspects of ourselves and begin to really appreciate the soul in, uh, in other people, begin to appreciate the soul of any given reality. So, for example, the reality that we're having right now in this country as a collective is very difficult for many of us. And we're being, we're being told that hate is something we should perpetuate and that love is something that's just for the snowflakes. And, uh, and we're being told that uh, there's a they out there that we need to be very frightened of and the we in here is very good. And there's a split off between uh, a really fundamentalist, right-thinking uh, Christian sect that uh, doesn't believe that gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender people have the right to exist. And uh, violence is perpetuated. So we live in that duality trance state in which we're perpetuating duality. But there's another current, another big wave of, of thought and information out there that's screaming oneness. That says love. No, love. Love is the truth. No, no, we, we are one with other people. No, we do care about other people. No, we want to perpetuate a, a truth where where we can love each other. So... What's really happening is that age-old thinking that has been there forever, where hate is a predominant uh, uh, constituent of that belief system, um, that, that, that thing is being called into the collective consciousness so that we can be aware of it. So it's no longer kept in the unconscious and sort of hidden in the dark regions of our awareness and, and has to be conducted in the dark of night. Now it's out in the open. People are beginning to see at, that, oh, there's a lot of hate still there. There's a lot of bigotry still there. There's a lot of, you know, racism still there. There's a lot of uh, homophobia still there. There's a lot of that still there. We thought we'd come a long way, but look, it's still there. But what's happening is now that we see it, now we can really address it. And we can address it by, by saying, no, oneness is the truth. No, love is the truth. No, oneness is the truth. No, love is the truth. And that's what's happening. People are out there saying that now, and, it, and it, so there's becoming a shift in the dark shadows of thinking of our, of our collective consciousness. So that's what's really happening. So oneness is still operating, even in these dark times that seem like terrible things are happening, 
actually what's really happening is our consciousness is being raised. So oneness is always there, and all we have to do is surrender to it. Okay, well, that's our show for today, and we'll be back again next week with more from Authentic Living. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 